You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Hey, so I want to take a moment uh, this Sunday, something that actually I think I'm, I'm just going to do every year, and uh, unless it goes really bad this first year, right? But um. Just felt like the Lord wanted me to speak into something as a pastor of a local church. Um, because this is so much on our radar, it's on our TV screens, it's in our chatter. Um, and I just want to make some, uh, uh, some statements. Um, and I think I'm just going to do this every year around this time. Um, you know when you walk through those doors into this place... This place has been set aside um, for the people of God to worship together, to remind themselves of the kingdom. This is sacred space. This is sacred time. This is the place we come to together be reminded of what awaits us, of the, of the glorious nature of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And oftentimes, people come to me and say, you know, what, what, okay, this is going on in our culture. Why aren't you saying something from the front? Or it's political season and there's all these things being bantered about and tossed around like a, you know, a football, like, and uh, what are you going to say? Are you going to say anything? Why don't you say anything? Why? Okay. You get me? And guess what? This season has been no different. And I just want to remind you of a few things. One, that across this world today, people have walked into spaces that have been set aside for worship. They're sacred that we are citizens of something that is greater than what's going on in our local countries and places. Amen? And we do not want to dishonor the kingdom of heaven by lowering ourselves to be caught in the earthly kingdom's business. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Amen? And I want to make sure that we are a church that always, always keeps our people looking toward the greater thing, that we are a part of the greater thing. And yet, we all are citizens of a country, are we not? Where... We live in places that the decisions that are made, uh, who is in office, what law is enacted, they, they affect us, does it not? And it would be irresponsible for us as citizens, especially kingdom people, to not believe that the kingdom values that we know that the Lord has given to us, they're life-giving. They fix brokenness. They, they, cre- they bring order to dysfunction. They bring life. 
And for me to just neglect trying to be a kingdom person in my culture is also to miss part of how God wants to use me. And so I do care about where I live and what goes on in my world. But I care because I desire the kingdom of heaven to thrive where I'm at, to come into it, and I realize that I could be a part of that. Now, what is very, very immature, what is very small, is the idea that, that, that the kingdom of heaven is ultimately going to come into our country and to our communities through the ballot box. Amen? The kingdom of heaven is going to come through our daily lifestyles of living out the life and love of Jesus Christ. And so as a pastor, I'm very also worried that if people think that just because they voted a certain way that they've done what they're supposed to do, you have just like fallen well short of God's intended design for your life. That's why we avoid these conversations in this sacred space so often because we're not chasing something in our world. We are setting a tone, hopefully, for our world. But I have been puzzled sometimes this week. I've been asked, you know, especially this, there's a, there's a, a thing that if you live in the state of Ohio, there's an issue on the ballot. And I've just been concerned a little bit that, you know, like, well, where do we stand on, you know, that issue? Or what does the Nazarene church say about, like, the sanctity of human life? And I just want to reaffirm to you that we absolutely, as kingdom people, as Nazarenes, affirm the sanctity of human life. Amen? Amen? Some of you are like, what in the world? And so again, if this culture goes to pot, <laughs> I intentionally did not do that. <laughs> I did not do that on purpose. As soon as it came out, I realized what I was doing. I didn't mean that that way. If it crumbles, guess what? As kingdom citizens, our best days are yet to come. You know, the kingdom thrives. Right now, and people in, in all sorts of countries are dealing with all sorts of issues, and yet the kingdom of heaven is never touched. And so our hope is not in who's in office or what laws are enacted in our country. Our hope is as kingdom citizens. So we do not lose hope, but we also engage where we can, but we engage in a way that we believe that we just want the kingdom to thrive. We want Jesus' love to be shed, shown. And so we walk in that tension. And I want to remind you of that. Please don't place your hope and affection on Tuesday and something happening, always keep your hope and affection in the fact that you're a citizen of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Then go, do, then go out and do how the Lord leads you in kingdom values. Amen? Think about this word. How many of you have a positive connotation when you think of this word? 
How many love this word? Generally, we avoid this word, do we not? Yeah, chaos. Like, I think this word has become more and more used and understood as our culture speeds up as we have more information to try to discern through with the internet and so many things, as we have more mobility and we have more opportunities, our lives kind of go like this. And all of a sudden we're like, whoa, my life feels chaotic. And I don't like that. And it's chaos in the English usage of it now is like disorganization. It's um, a mess. And generally, we despise mess, unless you're a teenage kid right now, and I'm learning that now. Like, we run from mess. And yet, this week as I've been thinking about this word and understanding chaos, I've realized that actually the original word carries a different connotation to it. We've spun it a different way over the last three or 400 years, but chaos was actually, hey, there is, there is nothing there and there needs to be something there. It, it's kind of the idea of uh, God created the world and it was without form or void. It was chaotic. That's the original use of the word, abyss. It was chaotic. And God said, into this chaos, I am going to bring form. I am going to bring new creation. And I actually think that as as kingdom people, that we are called to not look around and say, what a mess, and I'm trying to get out of this, that we're actually saying, look at that mess, and look what we can do to bring order to the mess. We actually are called to run toward chaos and not run from it. At the same time, not causing it. Amen. Don't look at the person down the row. You know, I was talking about this in first service, and somebody came up to me and said, listen, I, I, um, I met a lady. We all both had both families. We'd been divorced. We started dating. I showed up at her family's house with her kids, and it was a mess. I mean, there was drugs, alcohol, partying, just a wreck. And he said, I sat there and looked around and thought, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can deal with this. Because if I'm going to marry her and this is her family, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run into this all the time. And I'm struggling with whether I want to, to, to make this a part of my life. And he said, that was one day and a couple days later, the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of my heart and said, you know the chaos you saw? I want you to go to that chaos and bring peace in the middle of that chaos. And he began to recount to me that how he, he went all in and he embraced everything about it, her kids, the dysfunction, and now to watch over these years him being used by God to be used in these kids' life to bring peace and order to their chaos. Chaos is actually an opportunity for us to bring new creation to what has been a mess. I want you to think about this word also, static. 
static. How many of you are old enough to remember? Uh-oh. How many, how many of you are old enough to remember um, the old TVs, if you turned them on, if they weren't set to the right channel? Can you still hear that, that noise? In the, in the gray screen and like you got hypnotized by looking at it after about five seconds and you're right, static. Static, it means stationary. Nothing's happening. That TV was static because nothing was being transmitted. It just was this gray screen, this terrible noise. It was static. Static is not how we were ever intended to live as people. And it's definitely not however the kingdom of God was ever intended to be. The kingdom came into this world in Jesus Christ and now lives through his followers to not be stationary in nature, to not be static, but to advance, to look around a broken, dysfunctional world and believe that we are supposed to run to it, not avoid it. That's why every year we take this month of November and we talk about this word next. Next is the opposite of static. Next is looking forward. It's forward thinking. It's being a people and a church that is proactive instead of reactive. It's being a church that has the kingdom mindset of expectation instead of the earth world mindset of just survival. We want to be consistently a church that is looking forward. And so years ago, we began a rhythm in the life of our church in November. We talk about this word called next. Oftentimes, it's like this is what's next for us. This is what we're planning for, and we're calling you to participate in that. And that has not changed. I mean, think about um, how many of you watch Shark Tank? Oh, this is going to, what? It's going to be nothing. Does everybody get the idea of Shark Tank? People have really good ideas that could like, you know, could really take off, but they show up in front of a group of investors because everybody knows that a good idea is only a good idea unless you have capital behind it. And they're trying to convince these investors to buy in. The kingdom of God is the greatest idea in the world, and yet in the plan of God, he has called us to be investors in his kingdom. That actually what he calls us to be is people. He doesn't, listen, God owns everything, right? But the way that he grows us and uses us and makes an impact in our world is when we begin to take ownership also of the kingdom of heaven. Where we begin to say, I'm all in and all that I have and am about is at the disposal of the king. Amen. He calls us to invest. And so oftentimes through the years here through next, we've talked about, hey, this is where we're going forward. It's incredible from Grand Avenue to hear how God has continued to help us to be a forward-looking next kind of church. Right now in this season, you know, um, I'm not going to all of a sudden unveil with pictures a, a whole new building program for you right now. We're not in that season 
We're in a season of, of uh, you know, especially facilities 20 and 25 years old where we're needing to refresh a lot of things. We're needing to make them more effective. We're needing to make them as, as effective and, and uh, helpful as a tool as we possibly can. And yet in this season, while there's no big grand thing yet, yet, <laughs> we still are forward thinking. We're preparing ourselves. We're living with expectation. And we want to be a church that calls the, our people to think about how can I have ownership in what's next in this place? The great idea of the kingdom of God and the way it works itself out always is calling the people of God to be invested in what God is going to do. And so this month, I, I want to keep that in front of you, and I want you to be aware of the, the cards we have, and we'll reference those, and we invite you to come alongside us and say, hey, you know what? I give regularly to this church, but I also just feel like I want to participate in these next projects, this, this next looking, this, this, this idea of preparing for what's next. I'm amazed. Last year we talked about it and, and people pledged and it was pledged here, which was a good amount. And yet I looked at the numbers uh, a couple weeks ago and this is what was pledged and this is what's come in beyond pledges. It's amazing. People wanting to be a part of something, preparing, being in a place where we're ready when God continues to move. We got it, man. We're, we're ready to roll. So this month, though, I want to talk to you about what it means to be in a place to be a next kind of person. This is the sentence that I've crafted for this series. This is the shape of this series. Moving effectively into what is next calls for a well-informed, purposeful lifestyle. Well-informed and purposeful lifestyle using the resources of time, money, and ability that God has given us. And so this morning, I wanna talk about what it means to be a little bit more well-informed about the resources that God has given to us. And then we're also gonna talk later in the month about what it means to live purpose, purpose, purposefully. There we go. Purposefully into that. You know, I would ask you this. If, 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 you're, um, if your disposition or when I talk about resources, when I talk about money, if these are the kind of words that come to mind, anxiety, do I have enough? Preoccupation, what do I need to gain more? Or discontentment, I need to have more. Then I would tell you that you are misunderstanding how God wants you to understand money. God never gave us resources or time or talent for us to be anxious and preoccupied and discontent with what God has given us. You see, the mindset of a believer is, um, I do not own what I have. This is so hard for us to, to really grasp, but I struggle with this. Like, no, I went to college, I got a degree, I worked hard, I did this job, I got another degree, I did this job. I, what I have, I earned, right? 
Anybody else like that? Amen. Somebody's like, amen. (laughs) And I began to grab and have a sense of ownership over it. I began to look at it as like, what am I going to do with what I have and earned? And yet the life of a kingdom citizen realizes that God is the source of everything that we have. He gave me the ability to to think, the ability to work, and that actually everything that I've been given, he is the source. And when I began to adopt that kind of mentality, I began to release and my hands get a little let little looser on my possessions, on the way that I spend my time and my money and my, how I use my abilities. Until he's calling us to a place where he actually began to live open-handed and say, Lord, it's yours anyway. I don't own, I am simply a steward. I will tell you in the funeral parlor, we all understand this very clearly. Because no one says, hey, man, you know what he took with him when he died? Nothing, right? We get it very clearly then, but we struggle our whole lives. Like what we have now is not eternal in nature. The possessions that we have now, the resources that we have are, they're not eternal in nature. And so God calls us to a sense of stewardship of these things for a greater eternal reality. Let me read something to you from the Old Testament. Uh, one of the prophets, and you know the story of the minor prophets and the prophets, the children of Israel would follow God and then they would get distracted and they would worship false idols and they would look around at the cultures around them and they would begin to live those lifestyles and they would get lost and they would fall into sin and, and then God would allow a judgment to happen and then they would be pain, they would be pained underneath that judgment and they would be suffering. They'd call out to God and God who has this covenantal relationship with them would restore and renew knew them and it would be a matter of time they would walk with God and then they would fall away and get distracted, would follow other things and this cycle always was doing this, right? It's the story of the Old Testament people. And in one of those seasons, we see where uh, God has raised up a prophet named Haggai, and the children of Israel have actually come back to the land, you remember, and, and they were able to rebuild, and they got a new fresh start, and God, had, God who had allowed them to be carried away into captivity had allowed them now to have a, a, a new start. They had repented and turned back to him and trusted him, and God's faithfully always reaching back out to people who turn their hearts to him. And so he's given them this new chance and they come back to the new land and guess what? Some of the same story is happening again. And God calls up this prophet Haggai to say, I want you to talk to my people. And and this is what it says in this little book of two chapters. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. And he says this, I mean, this guy was just bold. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses So evidently, paneling was a good thing back then. (laughs) Uh, If you might like paneling, I don't know. While this house remains a ruin, why my house remains a ruin. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. 
Be well informed about how you understand the nature of the resources you possess, how it's gonna make sense, how it's supposed to be used, what brings happiness, fulfillment, joy, purpose, and meaning in your life. Are you well informed about resources? Or are you, well, let's just keep reading. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You, I love this phrase, you earn wages only to put them in purses with holes in it. Anybody have a family member like that? Anybody a family member like that? It just like, got a hole in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought. Be well informed of your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine, the olive oil, everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. Wow. God said, listen, you come back to the land and the first thing you could think about was, what am I going to build? And as my people, you know that center to your life is the temple where you worship, where you honor me, where you trust me, where you continue to show where your allegiance lies in me and you have neglected it. The house of God remains in ruins while you live in paneled houses. And he said, because of that, I have allowed you not to experience a fulfilled, satisfied, you drink, but it's never enough. You eat, you're just empty, you're void, you're purposeless, you're always restless because you have misunderstood how life is supposed to be oriented. That all of us, the priority of our life, especially with our time, resources, money, Ability is to see that the greatest purpose of our life is to find our role and place and ownership in the kingdom of God. Remember, he would say things early on like when you, when you have a crop, the first fruits of your crop, you give to the temple. It's a statement. I mean, did it really matter to the temple whether the first percentage of your crop was given or the last? No. It was for you. It was a statement that I see and realize that everything I have is from God's hand. And because it's from God's hand and he is the, the source, he's the one that brings life, brings meeting, brings purpose, brings health into this world. I first of all want to make sure that I am being a part of the ownership of the kingdom of God. I'm going to invest in the kingdom of God. I mean, I'm thankful to my parents who, who raised me. Like when you got a paycheck, you just thought, Lord, what do you want me to, 
give out of this paycheck to you. Uh, that's the first place it goes. Right? Seek first the kingdom and all of the other things. And he talks about what you wear, what you eat, what will be added unto you. My parents taught me early that actually, as a child of God, I realize that he truly is the provider and sustainer and giver of all that I have. And I make a statement in trusting him by saying, God, here's, here's, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I want to be a part of the greatest thing in the world, the kingdom of God. It's amazing how my life has only then, as the scripture seems to imply, that when it's misprioritized, the mess our life becomes is just crazy. Like we just are empty, we're void. We might have success, but it, it's fleeting and, and things are just here, there and everywhere. But when there's a well-informed and purposeful approach to time, resources and ability, God brings a deep sense of meaning, of purpose, of of direction, and then not because I gave, but because God is good, of tremendous blessing in our lives. Do you realize there's more promises in scripture that have to do with giving than many other topics? God actually says, test me, show me your faith. Are you willing to give? Watch what I can do. And so to be well-informed is to realize that God calls us to have a prioritized, a prioritized list with him at the top, with him as like, okay, I'm not gonna take care of what is mine until I've considered what I need to do to be a partner in the kingdom of God. He says, children of Israel, you are going to run amok and you're headed in the wrong direction again because you came back into the land and you're like, all right, this is what I can do. Oh, yeah, the temple's still ruined, but who cares? I got to take care of mine. Are you following me? You tracking today? This is always really great stuff. We always love to hear this because it's something we always wrestle with every day, is it not? But here's what I want to just leave you with, and I want you to think about. My hope is that on Wednesday, you're still thinking about this parable that Jesus shared. This is a part of... of being well-informed. Listen to this parable Jesus shares. Luke chapter 16. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. He was mismanaging his funds. So business owner and the CEO is not doing a good job, okay? And he called him into the office and asked him, what is this I hear about? Give an account of your management. You are not doing a good job. In fact, you're doing such a poor job, you are not gonna be the manager anymore. All right, this is the story Jesus is telling. The manager leaves the office and says, oh great, I just got fired. What am I going to do? My master is taking away my job. <laughs> I'm not strong enough to dig. I, I, I'm not into the blue collar world. I'm not gonna be a laborer. And I'm ashamed to beg. I've got too much pride to beg. Uh, 
I'm, I'm desperate here. And Jesus said this idea comes to him. I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. They'll take care of me. Like he's thinking, no job. I'm going to do some things so that people will be benevolent to me later on. And here's what he does. It's an amazing parable. It's like, why did Jesus share this? It's a little bit of a shock and awe kind of thing. Like, I'm going to share a parable about a dishonest guy. And you're going to be like, Jesus, why you virtue sharing about dishonesty? He's making a point here on purpose. And this is what he does. So he calls in one of his masters, the business owner's debtors. And he asked him, how much do you owe the business? And the man says, 900 gallons of olive oil. The manager says, okay, here, let's make a bill up. Sit down. Let's just make it 450. Pay me for 450 and we'll be good. So he defrauds the owner, 450. You're following, right? I'm making sure here. He asks the second guy that comes in, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat. He tells him, we'll make it 800 and we'll be good. You're like, at this point, like, all right, not only is he fired, he's going to prison. This is unethical criminal behavior, right? And it was. Yet Jesus shares this parable that actually the owner commended the dishonest, dishonest, all right, that's not a good thing. He wasn't justifying his behavior, but he was like, you know what? You're dishonest, but I got to hand it to you. You leverage that situation to, to secure your own future. That was shrewd. That word shrewd was really wise, really smart. You really understood what needed to be done and how to leverage possessions and money for your own future, right? What a strange parable. And this is what he said. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of light. He's like, listen, you guys... You guys need to learn something from this guy because you miss it too often. I tell you that the way you look at your possessions, your money, your time, your ability, your resources, the way that you look at them, you should be using them, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. Do what he did. Leverage the possessions at your disposal to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So Jesus is saying, what I want you to understand, to be well-informed about what do I do with my resources, is to realize (laughs) that what we have now is best and most wisely used in those things that last forever. That to be wise, to be well-informed, is to live with a mindset that I can actually leverage possessions for something that lasts way beyond, or I can leverage resources for things that last well beyond. Now, this is what I've been wrestling with, and this is where I can't give you a straight answer, 
or I shouldn't say that. That sounds like I'm dishonest. I can't give you an answer yet, but I've been puzzling over why did Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount say, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. It's the same concept he shared here, that actually leverage your resources for the eternal thing that's coming. Like there's something at play here that not only does God give us what we have, but then he allows us to use some of that to be invested into the kingdom. And we actually, it's like we double our money. It's like we, we receive his blessing now, but when we use what he calls us to give to his kingdom, it becomes something that we benefit in eternity. I don't confess to know what all that is, but I want some of that. I'm in. Sign me up. Listen as he continues. With what you've been given, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Whoever's dishonest with little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling your wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So evidently, the way that I uh, steward my resources and I handle worldly wealth and I'm wise in using it for eternal purposes, then I will then be able to handle true wealth, true riches. I don't know what all that means, but I'm in. And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, and this idea is that as this man was, okay, you, who, who will give you property of your own? And then he finishes this way. No one can serve two masters. You hate the one, love the other. You'd be devoted to the one, despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. And his idea is you need to see what you've been given as first of all, a way for you to be a part of something that is eternal in nature. If you use everything that you have for you now, that's all you get. But if you see the eternal perspective and the kingdom of God, which is coming and will continue to come, and there's eternal realities that we haven't even entertained, we have done such a poor job of talking about eternity to our people. I mean, seriously, like half of us think we're going to be strumming a harp on a cloud. Right? Singing la 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 all the time. That's not the biblical story or narrative. And somehow there's causation between what I do with my, my resources now and what I experience later. Amazing. That's why Paul says this to Timothy. Command. This is a strong word. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Command those who are rich in this present world, who have means, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. It's so uncertain. We all have seen that. We know that. Um, man, I've pastored so many people who have, who have, who have, you know, with a stock market, walked through 08, and they had this, and all of a sudden, three weeks later, they had that. It's uncertain, right? None of it's guaranteed. Don't rest on that, but put your hope in God, who, if you see him as your provider, as the one who takes care of you, he's richly provided for us with everything for our enjoyment, 
And so with that kind of mentality, with understanding I just steward what God has, I don't possess, so I don't need to keep hanging on. I don't need to be anxious or preoccupied or discontent. I just continue to, okay, uh, yeah, sure. I take care of, of a place to eat, to, to, to stay, to live, we're raising, okay? But I also understand that what I have is, first of all, at God's disposal, what he wants me to do with it, time, money. He says this, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And then here's this phrase again. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You see, moving into what is next calls for us to be well-informed and purpose and have a well-informed and purposeful lifestyle with our time, our money, and our ability. This is true personally. This is true as a people of God, as a church. And to help you think about what it is to be well-informed, I want to remind you that Jesus and the scriptures are always calling us to understand that is eternal people and an eternal kingdom, that how we choose to use our resources now has an eternal significance. And my prayer for you this week is God help me to see all that I have in light of eternity. Help me to, maybe I don't understand what all this means, to lay up treasure in heaven. That I will, as Jesus said, use worldly wealth to gain friends in eternal dwellings. Father, I pray today that you would continue to speak to us and through your word. Lord, I just ask that we would understand what we have in a sense of stewardship, not ownership. That we would be a people that live with an open hand and that we'd actually understand that how we live out our life now um, has eternal significance for us and for others. And that actually we can take the resources of now and multiply them in a way that it has eternal significance. Lord, I'm praying that your Holy Spirit would just speak to each and every one about how to apply this into their own life, how they understand what you've given to them, how they understand how they're supposed to use it. Lord, the greatest reality is to live life with an open hand and to watch you provide and bless in so many immeasurable ways. Thank you, Lord, for your truth, for your word. Help us to continue to allow it to speak to our heart. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.